0: Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s, with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more, on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. We've got so much to pack into this show, I'm going to skip telling you what's coming and just get right to it. Last week, January 28th, marked the birth in 1896 in Manchester, England, of British vocalist Elsie Carlyle. She appeared on stage and television, but was the most popular female singer on radio in the mid-30s, earning the sobriquets The Idol of the Radio and Radio Sweetheart No. 1. On record, she's most closely associated with the Burt Ambrose Orchestra, but also collaborated with Arthur Lolly's Rhythm Maniacs, Ray Starita's Ambassadors Band, and Jack Harris and his orchestra. Elsie frequently sang duets with Sam Brown and occasionally recorded under the pseudonyms Maisie Ramsey, Amy Brunton, Sheila Kay, Gracie Collins, and Lolly Lack. She stopped recording in 1942, although she was on stage and toured throughout World War II. After that time, she withdrew from public life and became a successful businesswoman, with a ballroom in London and an inn in Berkshire. She lived in the posh Mayfair district of London for several decades and died on September 5, 1977, in a hospital in Chelsea. Elsie Carlyle is heard on about 340 recordings. Here are but three of them. Silly Clouds Will Soon Roll By, written by Harry Woods and Billy Hill under the pseudonym George Brown, and I hope they're right. That was Elsie Carlisle with Bert Ambrose and his orchestra in London, July 13, 1932, on HMV B6210. Before that, Elsie with Jack Harris and his orchestra, October 25, 1937. Singing About the Moonlight on the Waterfall, written by Jimmy Kennedy and exiled Austrian composer Wilhelm Gross, working in England under the name Hugh Williams. Ms. Carlyle wasn't above recording risque hits, at least for the time, which Auntie Beebe wouldn't allow on the radio, because of sexually suggestive expressions, double entendres, and metaphors. And we started the set with the most famous of them, Please, Mr. Hemingway again with Ambrose and his orchestra in Kingsway Hall, London, on December 1st, 1932. Police, Mr. Hemingway was written by Milton Drake, Walter Kent, and Abner Silver. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. Here comes a fun segment suggested by a listener. I didn't come up with this. I suppose you could call it To Whom whom Do do These these Records records Refer? refer. The three records I'm going to play point to a recent event, and I'll even tell you that the event is the death, not of a composer or musical artist, but of an activist in the labor movement. And after I play these three records, if you know the answer before I tell you to whom they refer, I'd like to talk to you after the show to find out just how you know.
1: fresh and still unspoiled love that's only slightly soiled love of love in their childish way. I know every type of love better far than they. If you want the thrill of love, I've been through the mill of love. Oh, love, new love, every love but true love for sale. Appetizing young love for sale. If you want to try my ways follow me and climb the stairs Lord
0: Ruby Newman and his orchestra with the vocal by Adelaide Moffat and Love for Sale from Decca 2303, recorded in March of 1939. Love for Sale was written by Cole Porter for the sociological musical satire The New Yorkers, which opened at B.S. Moss's Broadway Theater on December 8, 1930, and ran for 168 performances. Adelaide Moffat was born July 9, 1916, in Greenwich, Connecticut, and was a popular nightclub and big band singer in the 30s, and an active horsewoman. She died June 15, 1976, in San Francisco, but you'll be hearing more from her in a few months. Back in October, you heard a record by Tex-Mex Conjunto musician Don Narciso Martinez. Before Love for Sale was another record by Martinez, Los Coyotes, again with Santiago Almeida on guitar. Bluebird B-3060 was recorded September 13, 1937, in San Antonio, Texas, and was also issued on Victor and Montgomery Ward. There are lots of recordings of St. James' Infirmary, written by Irving Mills under the pseudonym Joe Primrose. We began the set with Rube Bloom and his Bayou Boys and their January 16, 1930 recording on Columbia 2103, with vocalist Roy Evans. So, to whom do these three records refer? Why, Margaret Jean St. James, better known as Margot St. James, of course. She was born in Bellingham, Washington on September 12, 1937 to George St. James, a dairy farmer, and Dorothy Wellman St. James, a secretary. Margot took up art, and when a watercolor painting she entered in a contest was shown at Carnegie Hall... She enrolled in art school in San Francisco in 1958 and supported herself as a waitress. Her home in the midst of the 60s turn-on, tune-in, drop-out counterculture of San Francisco became a hangout, and in 1962, Margot was arrested on a baseless charge of prostitution and convicted. She enrolled in law school, but even though she didn't graduate, acting as her own attorney, she successfully overturned her conviction. With that mark on a record, however, she was unable to find traditional employment, which drove her into sex work for the next four years. She went on to devote her life to the cause of decriminalizing prostitution, reframing it as a legitimate profession, and destigmatizing its practitioners. The term sex worker, by the way, was coined by Carol Lee in the 1980s, and Margot helped popularize it. She established a free health clinic called St. James Infirmary, run by and for sex workers in the Bay Area, which is, along with her surname, why we played the Rube Bloom recording. And the reason for playing Love for Sale is obvious. But do you know why we played Los Coyotes? Well, because Ms. St. James founded an advocacy group called Coyote, an acronym for Call Off Your Tired Old Ethics. Margot St. James died January 11th at age 83. And now would probably be a good time to remind you that your requests, topic suggestions, questions, comments, and feedback are always welcome and can be sent by email to Glenn with two N's at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. Last week I played Yay Alabama by Snooks Friedman's Memphis Stompers and mentioned that Harry Reeser's Jazz Pilots also recorded it. And here's that record to start off an Alabama segment.
2: Fight on, fight on, fight on.
0: creative, and unique band names, and somehow country and western bands seem to come up with a lot of them. There's one of the best, the Three Stripped Gears, the two-guitar and mandolin trio, with Marion Brown and Cliff Vaughn on guitar, and mandolinist Ralph Durden. Unfortunately, they made only four sides in two sessions for OK. We heard one of them, Alabama Blues from OK45571, made in Atlanta, Georgia on Friday, October 30, 1931. Jack Padbury was born in England around 1900 and played clarinet and alto sax in Sid Furman's original London radio dance band in 1926. He formed his own dance band in 1928 with many of its members and became a popular attraction at the Cosmo Club, one of London's most fashionable establishments. A small subset of the full dance band was Jack Padbury's Cosmo Club 6, and we heard them from around January 31, 1930, with Alabama Mama, written by Peter Paquet, on Edison Bell winner 4982. We started that Alabama segment with the Jazz Pilots, a Harry Reiser outfit, and Yay Alabama! This OK 78, number 40635, was made on June 9th, 1926, a couple of years before Snook's record. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. Here at KISL, the greatest radio station in the world, our incredible station engineer, Bruce, just never stops making improvements. You'd think after completely remodeling the studios and upgrading the equipment, he might take it easy for a while, but no, no, no. He's still hard at work and recently installed a new computer automation system, which is more flexible and stable than our previous system, not to mention easier to program and less expensive. The new automation system is called Radio Boss. And it's fine with me, just so long as Radio Boss doesn't try to turn K-I-S-L into Boss Radio. Have
3: a happy new year with Boss Radio! Boss Hitbound Boss Radio More music Double Colum The Rock and Roll Review
0: And speaking of bosses, one thing you probably shouldn't ever do is sass the boss. Here's Red Nichols. <laughs>
2: loving's a difficult thing, but since she's addressed with the rest of the blessed, I'm telling the truth when I sing, if ever I marry again, if ever I marry again, she must be just about 23, as precious of life is a jewel of a wife. If she isn't a jewel, then it's the right. It's terrible tough when your angle is rough. I know because I've heard more than enough. But you see, I had married a widow. A widow's a woman who knows. She's flying, she's lying between you and I knows the way every wind blows. Yes, she knew the way every wind blew all right. You know, after she died, I put up a tombstone in her memory and asked a friend of mine who is quite a poet to carve an inscription in rhyme on Mrs. Smith's tombstone, and this is what he carved. Beneath this pile of stones lies Mary Jones. Her name is Smith. It isn't Jones. But Jones is meant to rhyme with stones.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, well, that's life. But if ever I marry again, if ever I marry again, she must be just about twenty-three, as fresh as a daisy and crazy for me, with tons and tons of money, and never cause me pain. And I must be the boss of again.
0: Well, I wish that record were in better shape, but I wanted to play it because it's by Scottish baritone Glenn Ellison, and as everyone knows
4: If it's no Scottish, just crap!
0: Well, also because I just wanted to play that clip.
4: If it's no Scottish, it's CLIP!
0: Okay, now that I've gotten that out of my system, that was Boss of the Hoose, composed by Harry Lauder from Edison 18504, recorded May 16th, 1928, with the orchestra conducted by Erwin Schloss. Glenn Ellison, whom we'll forgive for having only one N in his first name, was born in Glasgow, Scotland, and displayed such musical and vocal talent that he studied at the Royal Academy of Music in London. He caught the attention of theatrical directors and soon after graduating was well-established in British operatic circles, but turned more toward light opera and musical comedy and became extremely popular on British theatre stages. His reputation produced offers from American vaudeville producers such that he couldn't refuse, and he relocated to the U.S. where he toured the Orpheum-Vaudeville circuit and recorded for Edison from 1915 to 1928. Before Glenn Ellison, it was the Arcadian Serenaders, named for the Arcadia Ballroom in St. Louis, with Yes Sir Boss, recorded by O.K. in St. Louis around October 2, 1925. Yes Sir Boss was written by Eddie Ward and Eddie Riddick, pianist in the band. Wingy Minoan formed the Arcadian Serenaders in 1924, but within a year had left the group, and Sterling Bowes took over duties on the cornet. I've played Sassin' the Boss by Jimmy Lunsford, but you heard it for the first time on the show by Red Nichols and his orchestra. Not the Five Pennies, but the whole 13-piece aggregation, with their rendition of Sassin' the Boss from Bluebird B-10328, recorded June 21, 1939. Assassin the Boss was written by the trio of George C. McKinnon, Chick Adams, and Larry Wagner. Back on the September 20th show, I mentioned that Cliff Friend and Dave Franklin wrote When My Dream Boat Comes Home. It was first recorded by Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians and is heard in a number of Warner Brothers cartoon soundtracks in scenes of sleeping or leisurely floating down a river. It was recorded by lots of bands here in the U.S. and several in Britain, including by Billy Thorburn.
3: When my
5: dreamboat comes home Then my dream's no more I will meet you and greet you, hold you closely, my own moonlit waters will sing of the tender love. Sweethearts forever. When my dream
2: My love boat, my dream boat with you. <laughs>
4: Of the pretty whippoorwill, yes, sir, as in childhood days of yore, to a place so remote where the world is still, till I reach, I reach my cabin door. Oh, say, the birds, the bees, and pretty flowers, they seem to whisper, Come on, Teddy, let us play. <laughs> but fleeting minutes turn to hours, and look, look break of day,
0: why, the golden
4: sunrise will open my eyes, oh, but how I wish, how I wish it were evening, you know why, huh, why, so I can take my little dream boat, and I'll just sail away to memory land.
0: Billy Thorburn played piano in Sidney Kite and Jack Payne's bands and with the Savoy Orpheans before forming his own dance band. We began this Dreamboat segment with Billy Thorburn and his music, without the organ, but with Ken Crosley singing When My Dreamboat Comes Home. Parlophone F-619 was recorded November 23, 1936. Next, the Victor House band, The Troubadours, directed by Leonard Joy with Dreamboat. The vocalist on that February 19th, 1929, Victor 78, number 21894, was Jack Parker. Dreamboat was composed by George Bagby with the lyric by Grace Henry and Joe Trent and is from the two-act musical Fioretta, which opened at the Earl Carroll Theater on February 5th, 1929 and ran for 111 performances, closing May 11th. The high-headed tragedian of song Ted Lewis wrapped things up with the Lou Davis lyric to J. Fred Coots' tune "My Little Dream Boat." Columbia 1999-D has the special silver Ted Lewis label with a graphic of Ted tipping his top hat, and was recorded July 18, 1928. <laughs> I'm Glenn Robinson, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention.